Hey everyone, if you like Fallout New Vegas, and I know you do, don't miss the upcoming No Cartridge live show. It's on March 9th from 4 to 6 p.m., and it's at Caveat NYC, and you can go to caveat.nyc to look for tickets. Uh, there's also a link in the show notes. Uh, me, I will be there, Liv will be there, uh, and Josh Sawyer, uh, architect and narrative designer of Fallout New Vegas, Icewind Dale, the Pillars of Eternity games, will be talking with us live. So don't miss it. Uh, he will be playing games. We will be chatting. It will be a really, really good time, and I would love to see you there. Tickets are $20. Special rate for Patreon, patrons, so patreon.com slash cartridge for that, and uh, I hope to see you there. My name is Trevor Strunk, Hagelbond on Twitter, and I have with me today uh, a friend of mine. I think we've been following each other since back in the old, uh, in the in the bad old, like, uh, emo prog 2013 <laughs> head, heady days of, of the of the end of the Obama administration. Lord. Um, yeah. Uh, my friend, uh, Shannon Strucci, uh, who, who, I honestly, I will, I will say, you all know at this point, I, I, uh, I came to you, I was just telling you this. I came to your uh, your video work really late and through like some some weird back back alleys. But all of a sudden, this week or last, I guess the last couple of weeks, people were just like, "Oh yeah, it's just like uh, talk about parasocial relationships." Just like uh, you seen Shannon Strucci's videos on this. I'm like, <laughs> not yet, but I I know who that is. <laughs> Um, and, and I just, I did not realize, I knew you did wonderful film work, but I did not realize what a, what a lot of work and interesting work you were doing on so many topics I also like. So I'm thrilled that you were able to come here and talk to us about those. Well, thank you for having me on. Thank you. That's very flattering. Oh, absolutely. Um, so let me start you off with a, with a, with a kind of softball. Um, you have been doing, uh, some work in a, in a genre that is, I'd say, like, not exactly my focus, but only because I never was able to do much of it. Um, I didn't have a, a, a committed group. Um, I always liked it, and uh, definitely my listener base loves it. Uh, you've been doing some some tabletop stuff recently, is that correct? Yes, I have. Well, uh, can you talk to us about that a little bit? That'd be... Um, I think we started in November. Um, I used to go to comedy shows in Atlanta a whole lot, like stand-up shows. Mm -hmm. Um, and I met this guy named Joel Ruiz, who is one of the co-founders and like co-hosts of the show called Ladies Night. And I ended up being friends with him. And then last year he was like, do you want to be on a podcast that I'm doing? And I was like, yeah, because I always thought he was like really funny and easy to get along with. Um, good, good person to be on a podcast with, honestly. There are a lot of people I would have said no to because it's such a big (laughs) commitment. I mean, that's sounding like... When we were talking about who to have on it and stuff, like, people who I've known to be kind of, like, mean or or flaky or, like, center of attention kind of people. Even if I like them, it's like, I don't want... But um, 
Yeah, uh, so that started a few months ago. It's called Critical Bits. It's uh, him, uh, Paul Byron, who is also an Atlanta comic. Uh, Shelby Lee, who's like an old friend of mine, who's just really fun and easy to get along with and like funny, and me. And it's been really interesting because it's basically the opposite of my parasocial work, and I'm <laughs> waiting for people to yell at me about it. And I think it's like obscure enough now that that doesn't hasn't happened a lot, but I'm sure it will eventually. Um, but we try really hard to do like to have a lot of production value and to keep it entertaining and to keep it more of like an improv comedy podcast versus like you're listening to some friends play a game. Like Joel does a lot of sound effects, a lot of music, and he cu- he cuts it down pretty tight. Oh, so. cool. Yeah, I know that's like it's it's become a sort of a genre in and of itself. I think after uh, the the McElroys did it, um, mm-hmm. and I guess I guess uh, Chapo has done it a bunch too with the um, the Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah, those the are Cthulhu really funny. episodes. Yeah, definitely. Um, no, I like those episodes a lot. Uh, but yeah, I just like I've noticed people doing it, and it did seem like your podcast was a little different. So like it, I don't know. Like what what about what about tabletop? Uh, appeals to you because I know for me it was it was a much more immersive experience the few times I've been able to do it like I can still I can still kind of call up memories of the one big night of Shadowrun I played back in like I don't know like when I was 17 or something right like ages and ages ago I can remember playing that character and like feeling as if, like, I was embodying that character far more than a lot of, like, any, you know, role-playing experience I would have in, in video games or something. Um, is it that that appeals to you? Is it the improv? Is it the comedy? Is it... Are, would you Do you like tabletop gaming outside of, like, this specific kind of moment? Um, I always really wanted to play D&D with people, but I... I in, like, 2011... Um, some people I knew through forums, we played for a little bit and it kind of fell apart. And then it just, I could never get it together um, in real life, even when I had a pretty solid friend group. And around 2014, 2015, we started doing, um, you can order these like murder mystery dinner party box sets where you each oh, play a character. Cool. Yeah, you can. I like it, that uh, a lot. It's awesome. Uh, the main set that we got from, or the main company is called How to Host a Murder. And you have to be careful because some of them were written in the 80s and some of them are very racist. There's like a yellow face one that we got sent by accident and and did not play. So I would say like kind of be careful with them. But they were really funny and they were very simple because you would get like your character and how you were supposed to dress up and what you were supposed to act out. But there were like there was no barrier to entry. So we could play with Hmm. people who who didn't ever do tabletop. And then my friends started a D&D campaign and I got invited. Uh, My friend Kevin uh, DM'd a Curse of Strahd campaign, the 5e module and that was my first real experience with D&D and I absolutely loved it I think especially because as I get older I have a lot less time for video games and stuff I, yeah and I, I realized when I started playing D&D that it's very important for me sometimes to kind of get outside of myself and have that escapism instead of just being either working um going to conventions and paneling or like being on Twitter or sort of hanging out it's like I, I needed to get outside of this like weird stressful life of a content creator and just do something for fun. Um, and I love it. I love tabletop stuff. Cool. I'm in two D and D campaigns right now, along with doing critical bits. Oh, nice. So yeah, you're, <laughs> you're in it. Yeah. Wow. Um, what's your, what's your preferred class? Um, I, in D and D specifically, I really love playing. Um, the, the first main character I played was a charlatan rogue assassin and Ooh. being able like, Having just being like a con man type 
and just being a giant asshole, being like a two-faced character and getting away with like dexterity and finesse and charisma is just super fun to me. Uh, I really like playing that type. So you can you can play the you can play the black hat. That I like that's something I am so bad at doing. I can't I can't like I I'm so it's it's it, I'm not saying this to toot my own horn because mm-hmm. ultimately it's done worse for me than better because I just end up being a doormat. But the mm-hmm. uh, I, I I I'm so sort of unfailingly like I try to be very nice to people in my life that um like if I'm given I don't know if you ever seen the comic where like um it's it says like you know making a making a uh, a negative NPC choice in a video game and it's like uh. The, it, the, the text is over an illustration of like the end of old yeller or something like that. <laughs> like, it's, it's just so hard for me. Like I can't, I, I can't bring myself to do it, but you can, you can play the black hat. You can be like sort of a jerk to people if you're, if you're role playing it. Yeah. I, I used to be like that. And if I'm playing, uh, usually, uh, like D and D has been very, very different for me from like a video game. If I, like mm. I played like mass effect, right. Or, right. or, or that's other, the perfect like, example. Yeah. Yeah. I played, almost straight, like, Paragon. I mean, there was some stuff where yeah, someone would get on my nerves. I do not want... In real life and in games like that, I don't want to hurt anybody. I want to be a good person. I want to try to be a good person. And then D&D was sort of like, what if I, like... And, and it became... It was kind of revealing to me and almost kind of creepy because it was like, what if I didn't have a conscience? And, like, in mm-hmm. this world, I'm just running away from stuff and taking care of myself. I mean, I never want to play, like, the violent, edgelord, sadistic character. That You know, the kind of people who just want to, like, hurt and kill people. But it was sort of right. fun of, like... How can I talk my way out of this? What can I do? Um, my big moment, I think, in that Stroud campaign, which went on for months, is we had an NPC friend who turned out... I mean, this is kind of like a Stroud spoiler, I guess. I don't know. A spoilers for a D&D module, if you don't mind me talking about it. <laughs> I really like don't. You, you just said spoilers, so if anyone's if anyone is worried about spoiling the D&D module, just like skip ahead five minutes. Yeah, um, we had an NPC friend who turned out to be a vampire and she woke me up with like blood all over her face and she had killed our friend. And I was like so mad and I just like wanted to kill her. And all my friends were like, no, no, no. Like, like that's the wrong thing to do. Like we need it. So we kind of like, we like restrained her and I'm like, okay, okay. Like we won't, we won't hurt her. We'll figure it out. We'll let her go. Like, it's okay. We'll, we'll figure it out. And then I like killed her. Uh, (laughs) And I've tricked my real life friends that I've known for like seven years. I think a couple of them were, but it was just like, it was a really cool character moment and I think it was the right thing to do in the story but it felt so gross and like foreign and like weird to embody that kind of um like sociopathic I don't know it, w- it was a yeah. really interesting experience and not really one that I want to repeat my the, my next character after that was like an oath of redemption paladin which is like a pacifistic <laughs> non-violent sure. character right. um, like yeah, the exact opposite but like being able to kind of embody that and, think, and yeah and role play through those those kinds of situations is really and, and like I said not playing um the kind of like grim, dark, edgy character, but playing kind of like a two-faced, um, charisma-based person, I really enjoy that. I I did a um, did a one-shot recently, and I played another charlatan rogue assassin, a very different one, but it was like, oh man, I miss this. This is so fun. <laughs> <laughs> you have to you have to come back to that character. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I I brought this up on the show before, but like it reminds me a lot of um, uh, the. Uh, Planescape Torment is a mm-hmm. is a game that always comes to mind when I'm thinking about uh, hard to make character choices, and I mean that's a that's essentially a D and D game. I mean it's it has the it has the D and D marketing all over it. Um, and the fact effectively the game works because Chris Avalon, the the main writer on it, or one of the main writers on it, is such a good sort of dungeon master, and um, it, it he said that it is 
it is like extremely hard and others have said too that it's like extremely hard to the point of like almost like revulsion to take the the negative path in that game because it is so mm-hmm. self-serving and so sociopathic and i think like i don't know that's it's Maybe it maybe that like bridges up against Edgelord. I haven't ever played the negative path enough in that game to know. But um it is kind of like I, I, I like what you're saying about it being revealing, about it telling telling I don't know, it I think like the classic cliche is it tells you something about yourself. Mm-hmm. But what I like about your story there is it it's it's not necessarily about you. You you already knew that you didn't like that, which always sort of strikes me as like the lesson already. Like I know I don't like making people feel bad. That's mm-hmm. not a surprise, but knowing that, like, oh, this is how it feels, or this is the sort of like, I can I embody this? Can I sort of like fake this uh, type of emotion? And knowing you can is is that's fascinating. It was really interesting, especially because, like I said, in real life, I don't ever want to. I mean, I, I I'm not like a doormat, but I don't go out no, of my way no. to hurt people. Uh, and it was funny later on in the campaign, uh, one of our friends who had died in it came back as like a knight with a squire and the other people would like bully the squire and pull pranks on him and stuff. And I was like, I'm the only evil aligned character and you guys are the bullies. Like, what are you doing? It's just like different ways of uh, expressing that kind of stuff. Uh, I guess blowing off steam in that kind of a uh, universe or whatever. And, um, in the, in critical bits I play, it's, uh, a powered by the apocalypse game called masks. It's like a teen, okay. teen superhero thing. And I cool. play a, uh, the re- a character that uses the playbook, the reformed, which is like I was a villain until the beginning of the story, and it's kind of an arc of trying to be a good person and oh, trying okay. to get yeah. past it, and that's been really fun too. And it makes me feel a lot less gross <laughs> about myself. You're sort, of, yeah, you're still sort of doing the the kind of like uh, you're, you're playing with that character, but it's the arc is the it's it, it's it's the it's kind of like reversed. It is. <laughs> sort of instead of like the crescendo, it's the, it's the <laughs> decendo a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Well, I, you know it. All those questions kind of actually make me think of parasocial relationships a little bit, which is something I, I definitely should ask you. We definitely should talk about. I just well, I could absolutely. talk about your side projects all all the time, but I, <laughs> people are yelling at me right now. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it made me think about it, particularly when you were talking about being a content creator. And and you know, there's a lot of jokes about it, and jokes that I've even found kind of like funny or or you know, I I don't I don't mind people joking about content creators. I mean, the, the very fact that this is like some sort of um, job where you can talk about like, well, this is just what it is to be a content creator. The same way you could talk about like, well, this is what it is to be, you know, a, uh, I don't know, like a, an insurance claims adjuster or something <laughs> like that. It, I mean, it's 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 on its face kind of absurd. Like it, It's it, very it absurd. Is, yeah, it's, it's something that is just very, very strange. Um, so I totally get that it is ridiculous and absurd and I'm I'm more than happy to laugh at myself uh as a content creator but like what you said about it in it being like this thing you have to get away from where like every single element of your life is work every single element like I'm creating content and then when I log on to Twitter it's half branding now and when I'm you know oh well I need to I need to play a game because that aligns with the content I'm doing I, I'd imagine film works the same way for you where it's like not quite the same. Probably film is more like um, your. Probably more for me, it would be like reading or or writing, where like it's a thing that has been very professional for me, but also that is uh, fun or part of the content or something like that as well. And like every single thing ends up being this uh, 
work thing. And to me, that was always what kind of um, marked the parasocial or marked the beginning of the parasocial feeling for me. But I, I would love to hear you sort of like, I mean, if you want to give a quick, a quick elevator or like a quick like 30 second account of what you think of as parasocial, that would be great. But if you don't feel like doing that, just like, you know, how does that relate to work for you? Well, I guess to explain um, to people who don't want to watch two hours worth of video essay stuff. That you I should read, watch the two hours worth of video essay stuff. I have started it. I have not finished it yet. And it's because it's a lot. we'll get to this. I am not good at YouTube um, <laughs> and I'm not good at long YouTubes. I, I like I, I'm part of that like weird group of people who um, came up with like dial up. So I'm used to like two and a half minute clips. And mm-hmm. then I think for a while that was like the thing on YouTube, and now it is totally well. We could talk about this. I feel like it's totally rebounded into like people are okay watching hour long clips on YouTube, and I have to just get there. But Shannon's stuff's really good. You should you should totally check it yeah. out. Um, I, I'm I'm preaching to a choir of a lot of people. It turns out, um, uh, which is great. Uh, but go watch the parasocial stuff. But if you don't have time right now to watch the <laughs> parasocial stuff. Uh, what what is you can give that that thing? I just felt like I'd jump in and say like, no, no, people should definitely still watch. <laughs> um, I appreciate that. Well, of um, course, a, a parasocial relationship is like a one way relationship with, say, a celebrity or a fictional character that is not reciprocated. So it's like if someone listens to this podcast and thinks that they not literally thinks that I'm their friend, but they feel like I'm their friend. They think that they know me. They think that they know what it would be like to play a tabletop game with me or to um, to hang out with me or, or how, I, what, what I, what kind of movies I would like or, or that kind of thing. That's parasocial. Mm-hmm. And in, in my video series, I kind of, uh, both from being a content creator and having a lot of friends who are way more famous than me, who are content creators who have this like weird weight and expectation on them and being a fan of stuff and, and having realized at certain points in my life, um, usually for good, but also sometimes for, for the worse, I would use media that I was really into, like anime or video games, to kind of fill a void when I didn't have a lot of friends. Mm. And kind of seeing the dangerous side of that. And, and, and the deeper I dug into it, the more I was like, this is a sickness. This is awful. Which not everyone <laughs> feels about it. But yeah, I named the sec- second episode Parasocial Hell. Because it was yeah. just really... I spent months editing that. And it was really, really depressing. <laughs> well, that's the big really one. I was... It was amazing to watch. Like I was like, okay, the fifteen minute one, and then I was like, wow, this next one gets long. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I mean that's the that's the meat of it. Yeah, no, and I I tend to agree. I think like, you know, it's interesting that you bring up our, our friends who are more famous than us. Um, I think like you know, obviously, I know my audience is is somewhat split on on the Chapo guys. Probably more mm-hmm. in favor than not because I, I know a lot. I think all of them except Will. Will and Amber have been on my show, um, and I not I just don't think Will has anything to say about video games, um, mm. but um, uh, or he does, but it's probably just like more fun than than analysis. Uh, but like, they've been pretty open about how that's weird, right? Like it, and I don't know. Like I've been to I've been to one of their shows where a bunch of people in the audience just at the end started chanting "Love that boy" at them, <laughs> and it oh. was like. Uh, <laughs> it was just weird to me. It was like, I don't like, I, I know these guys vaguely. Like I'll, I'll go, I, you know, I went backstage and hung out with them and we, we had drinks and stuff and it was fun. But like, even, even we have sort of like a, okay, this is an online friendship relationship where like, sometimes I'll see you in person. Um, 
And to, like, see the parasocial relationship even from, like, that kind of, like, vantage point was very, I don't know, it was very, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a perspective, um, force of, force of, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this, I'm saying it very badly, um, it was a forced perspective shift that I wasn't expecting, where I was like, oh, that is a strange view of something that I do quite often. And what, they're really what do you mean about, that you do quite often? Oh, I mean the same thing that you sort of uh, admit to, or like, or not admit to. Mm. That makes it sound like salacious, but like, <laughs> it's, it's not a bad thing. Um, mm-hmm. Or it is a bad thing, but everyone kind of does it. Where like, I'll listen to I uh, listened to a podcast for a long time. I've sort of been sort of taking a break from it. Um, uh, called uh, Last Podcast on the Left, and mm-hmm. the three guys on that are very charismatic. They're three good friends, and it's super easy for me to sort of like fall into a routine where I'm like, Oh, I knew these guys. Like I'm friends with these guys. Like this is sort of a conversation we are having. Um, I know this happens a lot with like the people on, uh, my favorite murder, um, true crime podcasts are just kind of like candy for this. Um, mm-hmm. but any podcast with these like personalities, uh, I did this with, I early, like well before I was making podcasts, I would listen to like, how did this get made and be like, Oh yeah. Like, I have, I, I'm personally invested in, like, Paul Shear and June Diane Raphael's, uh, like, if, is their kid doing okay? Like, that kind of stuff, like, it felt very normal. And then watching it happen to people who I knew were real people, um, but were being treated as if they were these sort of, like, I don't know, like, uh, ineffable celebrity friends. Um it was kind of revealing. It, it, it kind of made me, it, it kind of made me uncomfortable, I guess I'll say. Um, as like a side note to that, I was on a live stream with Ollie, uh, Oliver Thorne philosophy tube. Oh, cool. Um, he's great. And, and during the stream, I mentioned knowing the Chapo guys. And then I, I didn't read the chat cause I'm very neurotic about, chats when I'm on streams and stuff, especially I with the, totally the way his it. fan base is. They're very nice, but I was just like, I don't want to know what they think about me right now. But I went back <laughs> and watched it later and multiple people were like, I don't think, would Shannon would hang out with the Chapo guys? I can't see that. That's weird. I don't, she's too cool for them or this or that. I, I can't really see them meshing. And I'm like, I'm saying these, I know these people and you're, you're like weird parasocial idea of me and who I would want to like be around or associate with is in conflict with it. So you're choosing the parasocial like persona that you've manufactured and you're questioning the fact that I know some people, you know, it was just like very weird. Um, it's super weird. It's like they're for them shipping to comment you. on that. Yeah, it is like ship. I mean, and that's what ha- what's happened too with me and H bomb. I talk about it later on in the parasocial video, both my real life friend, Devin, who I make short films with and H bomb H bomber guy. Cause we make stuff together. I get weird messages. Like who's that guy? Are you dating? Um, uh. <laughs> one, one very, very, uh, strange person, uh, who luckily I think has been banned from Twitter, kept sending a poll they made at me that was like, are you H-bomb girlfriend or something else? And they kept trying to like get at, you know, well, he, you were in New York when he was in New York and he, I know that he has, he's dating someone. I think he is. And it's just like, what did I do to deserve this? But and yeah, yeah and, and seeing it happen to people that I know, not that I'm like super, super close friends with all the Chapo guys or anything, but, um, knowing that they put up with that. And there's there are other people that I know who I've been with in person, uh, and I was, like, basically invisible to these people, but then fans were being very, very weird to them. Like, physically right in front of me, being very uncomfortable and very strange. And that's a frightening moment, it's a very uncomfortable moment. Um, and even if I haven't 
experienced that directly, that definitely informed the video. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would say, like, I haven't experienced any sort of, like, and I mean, it's it's 100% due to the privileges I have and who I am and, and you know, like, it, it doesn't happen as much to men on the internet, and it certainly doesn't yeah. happen as much to white men on the internet. I 100% own that. Um, I have had really positive experiences uh, dealing with my fan base, and again, you know, my privileges certainly inform that. But um, you know, even if I can't think of bad experiences with particular fans, like the feeling of identifying and this is you know this is actually helpful to understand why I thought immediately of the parasocial even though it didn't quite line up when you were talking about work it's like even the moments where I am like looking at my Twitter feed and being like how do I relate to these these people mm-hmm. it is different now that even even with a modest audience it's different to sort of be like okay I relate to them as not just these are people who I share sort of common interest with, but they're also customers and they're people who Mm -hmm. might think of me from just the podcast or they might just know me as like this, you know, voice on the radio or whatever. Like it is, it is like awkward to be like, yeah, okay. Like I know you didn't expect me to have these friends or I know you didn't expect me to have this particular position or whatever. Like, but it's different than the stuff that happens on no cartridge or even just like assuming that that's going to happen. It, it's like a, a sort of mm-hmm. nascent, weird, lo, very low level, but very persistent stress. Yeah. And I guess I didn't answer your, your question about the, the work oh, stuff. Gosh. I got d- distracted about getting agitated that people are weird about who I'm friends with. <laughs> truly, truly. That is the, that is the, the goal of the podcast is to ask a bad question and then have the guests just talk about interesting stuff. <laughs> well, no, it's, um, I was at, and I've told this story before, but last September I was at Universal Studios with my family, and I got cool. recognized in public. Um, someone oh, wow. in line. We were in line. We were at Halloween Horror Nights. We were in line for the Stranger Things haunted house. I was with a bunch of my relatives who I who aren't on the internet. Like are, are like I mean I don't put photos of them up. Like no one would know who these people are. And someone in the line next to me was like, "Excuse me, are you the one who did the parasocial relationships videos?" And I talked to him for a minute, and he was really nice, but it was so, it was so weird because it was like, I'm in like little short shorts because it's hot. I have a little hat on. I look really stupid. I'm with my family, <laughs> who I don't know what we were saying. You have an expectation of like anonymity and privacy just sure. by being like a group out of thousands and thousands of people. And it's very, very frightening to me if over time it's like I can't be out in public without also, like I have to represent myself on Twitter. I represent myself on YouTube. I'm, it's all part of like this, this public perception of me. Not, I don't like try to craft a persona. I don't even want to necessarily call it a persona, um, but like even though I guess everybody has one because I'm not exactly the same person in a private conversation versus on a podcast. But being like, oh, I have this responsibility to maintain this 24/7 now because I could get recognized in public. Or just like Twitter has become honestly so much less fun. Versus when I had a few hundred followers and it was me and a bunch of like film fans goofing off and I could say whatever and not get a bunch of pedants annoyed at me or not have, you know, I don't even, I don't, um, I've never had like a Twitter controversy where people got really upset. You know, I've never, I don't think I've ever been canceled. I have never been canceled. I would be for stuff I said 10 years ago, uh, when I was like sort of an edgelord on the internet, but I'm very open about that. You know, that was really different when I was a teenager, but I've never been like canceled or had to deal with that, but it's still it becomes more and more stressful the more you have something to lose with it. Uh, Absolutely. I don't think people, un- people understand that. Or, like, the 
people have so little sympathy sometimes for like content creators or whatever. Some of the responses I got to fake friends too were like very, very upset about like these are all rich white men. White men, you think I'm supposed to feel bad for them? And it's like, well, no, they're not. I'm not a rich white man. <laughs> and I have the same problems. Like, okay, like look at who I'm, you're talking I'm to. The video. Right? Yeah, I'm the one making the video. You know, if you want a woman's perspective, here's two hours of it. <laughs> like, okay. So, I mean, that's really interesting, especially thinking about, like, that experience at Universal where, like, you know, it, it was a moment, I had a moment like that, not not at all the same, because I was expecting people to know who I was um, at the live show I did, where, like, my family was in the audience, and then people knew me from, like, Twitter, and, <laughs> like, the and, and like, I, it was a, there was a funny moment where, and this is, I mean, this is the funny version of, of the, the vertigo of parasocial relationships, but where uh, my co-host on The After Dark, um, Olivia, asked a question of Scott Benson about um, uh, the guy who did Night in the Woods. About, Scott's uh, great. Yeah, super nice guy. Uh, went, came all the way from Pittsburgh to do the show. It was I, it was wonderful to finally meet him. He's a he's a great friend. Um, but uh, he she asked him a question about shipping, and. Uh, and I, you know, it was it was after dark themed in that way. And I, I asked the audience, I was like, okay, uh, does everyone know what shipping is? Uh, if you don't know what shipping is, raise your hand. And the only, or <laughs> the only people who raised their hand was my family's table. <laughs> Just like a sea of people at the my family's table was like, uh, I don't know what that is. Um, but it is, it is weird to know the differences between like. And maybe maybe you can expand on this for me because I don't necessarily have the language for it, but it's weird to think about the differences between your circle of intimates in like your family and personal life, and then your circle of like not intimates would be the wrong word here, but like pseudo close friends or like online associates or whatever. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a very it's it's hard to. It's hard to understand how the socialities between those two circles vary until you actually see it in real life. Um, and I feel like that's something that your videos sort of speak to. Thank you. Yeah, even, like, trying to explain what I do to people in real life who don't, who have never heard of Patreon um, or trying to explain it to certain members of my family. Because my, like... It might be different for me because my mom in the 70s would go to conventions and she doesn't have, like, an account, but she looks at Reddit. She's, like, oh, a boomer, okay. but she's very online in that <laughs> in that way. Not in the same way go. that I am. <laughs> but she would she would know what, like, she, I think, versus a lot of people her age, she's more, like, in tune with that kind of stuff. And I got surprised. I was talking to my aunt, who is not very online at all, and I was starting to explain what ASMR is to her. And she's like, oh, I listen to it to relax. And I was like, what? Uh, wow. So I, I get surprised. I never know. They're both, like I said, they're both uh, boomers who are connected in some ways to it. Um, but yeah, I don't want there to be crossover there ever. I want to protect my family from the internet and from how yeah. awful the internet is. And I just had this, like, the guy who talked to me was perfectly normal and fine. I think he was very nervous, especially because of the content of my videos. He didn't want to make me uncomfortable. He just wanted to acknowledge that he, like, recognized me and that he liked him. Like, I actually could have talked to him longer, but he kind of turned away and got nervous. But I was like, what if he was some, like, like Pepe weirdo who, like, took yeah. pictures of me and put them online, took pictures of my family, or took, like, an unflattering picture of me? Like, I never drank a ton. I mean, I like drinking, um, and I would like going out with my friends and drinking at Dragon Con and stuff, and I've cut way back on that. 
because I was like, I can't be drunk in public, and someone takes a, you know, smart, a, yeah, unflattering. It's like I, and all I do is make video essays about media and, and pop culture, but I feel this, it's like an encroaching restriction and and having to put up more and more boundaries um, as I go along. First, I was just thinking about like Twitter, this kind of stuff that I would have tweeted in 2012 or 2013. Again, it's not like I would have gotten canceled. It wasn't offensive, but it was more personal. And I was more yeah. open about certain things. And I just, like, I can't, that there, that's been taken away now because of having, what, I, I'm so grateful to have an audience and be able to make money from it. I'm really, really happy about how stuff is going, especially in the past few months. But there are definitely weird sacrifices that you make and stuff that you put on the line that not everyone knows about going into it. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, there's two things there. The one, the one being that, like, this sense of, being exposed and realizing it like I uh, the other day I tweeted something about the Covington uh, kids um, I think it was it was it was a little too aggressive for who I am now probably I think I said something like I was really pleased that their lives had been ruined or something <laughs> something very glib um, that, yeah that's pretty intense uh, well, someone like the mom said like their lives have been ruined and I was like this owns like it's good mm-hmm. um, and that's something I totally would have tweeted in 2013 and not thought one thing of um but then I had some, you know, uh, gab uh, edgelord in my <laughs> mentions who was saying, like, oh, uh, well, maybe we can talk about that. Are you still living at this address? Um, oh, my God. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. It wasn't – I, I wasn't living at that address anymore, <laughs> so that made it a lot better. Um, and, you know, like, all my friends mass reported him. And, you know, the things things do work a little better. I, I don't know how to say I. I'm grateful for my friends doing that. Let me just say that. Mm -hmm. But it put me down this hole of like, okay, I need to figure out, I need to start protecting my work. I need to figure out like, okay, what services do I need to apply to? I talked to a tech friend of mine. I was like, is this service good? Should I pay money to get my, 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 like my uh, personal details scrubbed from the internet? And it was just such an eye opening thing. Cause it's like, this is just, I mean, I just started doing this because it was, it was, and I mean, I, I certainly am not like wildly successful in the mold of like, and now I'm a media superstar. But like, <laughs> I just started doing this because I couldn't get a job in academia. And like, this is this was the next thing I could do. And it's like, I didn't expect then there to be any sort of risks of any sort of changes that have to happen. Like, it's so small potatoes that it's like, well, who's going to care? But mm. like, at any point, yeah, you're right. Like, it is it's something where like, it is so good to be able to do it and it's so great and we're, we're very lucky and I want to talk about that in a second, but like it is something where you realize like, oh, I have to live differently now and that is very, very off-putting. I also think it's off-putting that, and, and both you and I instinctively do it, I think it's very strange and speaks to kind of a moment in capitalism maybe, not to be too cliched, that we have to then also self-flagellate in the same sentence where it's like, Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But I'm so grateful. I'm so great. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, d- don't get me wrong. I love that this <laughs> happened and I appreciate everyone listening. Uh, please go check out the, but like, you know, it's, uh, you know, because I want everyone to rate and rate and subscribe and, and you know, all that stuff. And I really do have, you know, sincere, very good friends that I made because I was doing the podcast. Like I don't, Scott's, I would never have talked to Scott if I wasn't doing the podcast. And I consider Scott like a very good personal friend. Like, mm-hmm. you know, these things do happen. But the, it is, it's weird that you have to then like turn around and say like, 
but uh, this is cool. Like, ultimately, I'm very cool with it, and I'm very grateful. <laughs> but it's bad, right? Like, how 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 can we square that? Like, how do how do we get past the parasocial? Because it's like that, that parasocial guilt, where like I. Because it feels like it feels very dialectic. Not to not to put my own hobby horse on something, but it feels like it cuts both ways. Where of course there's a there's a relationship between like you feeling like you're friends with someone you're listening to on a podcast, but then also an expectation that like oh I have to convey this in order to keep my audience at least some sort of at least some way I need to convey a public persona that is that could you could be friends with in order to keep my audience in order to keep this going. For me, it's very complicated because, I'm, especially now, I'm known as the parasocial relationships person. <laughs> That's my thing, which is fine. Like, I always like people. I think you're, I don't remember if you said this, but a couple people when I went on their podcast was like, do you mind talking about this again? It's like, no, I, I love to self-promote and talk about my thing. I don't I'm mind. sure I asked you no, that because it, it was so, it was so it weird. All. I mean, we were talking about this before the, the podcast, but like. You know, you. I would consider you someone that I just know from online. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know how long we've been following each other. I feel like the 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 strange sort of like group of friends I've had on Twitter that are just kind of like these are people I I like to watch talk and and they say interesting things and we joke around sometimes. It's like a big virtual chat room. Like mm-hmm. that's sort of where you slot in for me. And then to have everyone be like, "Have you seen this important work on parasocial work?" It's by Shannon Scruti. Yes, I like her a lot. Like she's, her she's very smart. <laughs> that like what? idiot who just like shit posts about One Piece all the time. That's how I now see I did not say that. Time. I think I think One Piece is important work, and and you should be constantly shit posting about I shit posts about One Piece all the time. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I totally. It's like it's it's an odd thing to be like. I'm sure you're sick of saying this, but like, can you talk about this in my podcast? Um, so you being open to it is really nice. No, I enjoy talking it. about it. And everyone has like different questions and a different perspective and a different set of experiences. But I think pe- it, it's a little bit different for me because what I started doing was the uh, film nerd series, which was very much like, yeah, uh, it was, I, I meant it to be very anti elitist and approachable, but it was still edu- strictly educational about film theory, film history, film form to get people into it. So I think people, I had a little bit of that being seen as, like, a professor or, like, an authority figure rather than, like, a talking head on YouTube. I think that has helped. And I think the, I really have to walk that line. And something I I thought was interesting, um, I don't really do it anymore because so many people are, sorry, I have to shift a little bit. My foot's cramping. Um, You're fine. So many people are talking about it now, which is kind of, like, braggy to say, but it's true. Like, I used to Twitter search the term parasocial, and I can't do it anymore. There's, like, too many people talking about it. It's just, like, too much. Because I just wanted to keep up with other stuff that was being made, or or if people were talking about my videos, I was, like, name-searching a little bit with that. But, um, I found some people who were so mad at left-tube people. They would leave me out, weirdly, but they would be very, very angry at left-tube people who and their minds used the concept of parasocial relationships to just, like, shit on their audience. I hope I can yeah. pass on here. I, I, I can, yeah, uh, don't worry. So yeah, you're fine. You're okay. fine. Um, uh, like, they were so angry at the concept of how dare these people not be grateful to their audience. And it was just a way to, like, hate people. I think it was people like H-Bomb and Dan Olson who have never made a video about parasocial relationships. Um, I didn't get credit there even when their people are, like, being angry. But it was sort <laughs> of like they these people who... And I'm sitting here like, what, you don't want content creators to have boundaries? It's like, I, I, I really felt that when uh, when Bo Burnham was talking about, like, part of me needs you and part of me fears you. And, like, 
that pull of I love the validation, not not of like views or like this is good, but when someone tells me that the work I did made them cry or change their life or mm. change their relationship with their relatives or change like if someone was depressed and might st- I get a lot of messages like that that are huge to me and they give me a lot of that factors in a lot to my self-worth. You know, I don't hate my audience um, and not to keep going back to it, but the doing the, the podcast has been fun because we're not at the stage yet where fans start getting terrible. It's just like nice, supportive people who are like, aren't obsessed with our personal lives and are just like, this is a good podcast versus the absolute bizarre, like insane stuff that I get on my curious cat or my emails or the very, very intense, angry stuff are somewhat like, it's amazing very... you still have your curious cat up. That is that is. <laughs> I like using it. I have a very thick skin. Uh, I might end up deleting it. Uh, I have gotten like semi death threats on it. <laughs> um, oh, uh, that bad. kind of stuff. But I, I, it's a way to interact with my audience and still have a little bit of a boundary, or just like answer questions about movies and are about stuff like that. I really enjoy using it. And it's a way to. I mean, this is kind of cynical, but it's a way to keep putting content on my Twitter account without yeah. having to. I don't know. It's just like a. It's uh, definitely a net positive for me, although the worst, ad- I've gotten some really, really bizarre, uh, upsetting messages on it as well. Um, sure. No, I mean, any, again, uh, any woman on Curious Cat, I can only imagine the kind of weird stuff that just ends up in the delete and don't answer file. <laughs> it, it's, it becomes, because I grew up on the internet, I've been on the internet since I was like six years old. I learned how to draw on image boards. When I was a teenager, I went on 4chan and, and a bunch of different forums and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I know what the internet is. But yeah. I didn't know. I knew people would, like, be weird, send me weird sexual stuff or send me death threats. But, I did like, one of the early Curious Cats that freaked me out was someone said, uh, I want to hold your hand in public. Like, the weird intimacy of that. I would much rather get, like, a kill yourself than that. That they, would they, freak they, me out a lot. Wow, that is that is pure. That is, like, absolutely a kind of, like, textbook example of why of like the parasocial problem where it's mm-hmm. like that's it's like assumed so, intimacy yeah, it reminds so weird i the same feeling i got from that i was at a concert once it might have been a gogo bordello concert i was like front row and someone put their hands they like put their finger through my belt loop on my hip <sighs> i don't think they did it on purpose I think they might i don't <sighs> they but it was like okay if someone had like grabbed my butt that would have been awful they're both awful, but it was like the intimacy of it, the like easy intimacy. When I don't know this person, it's that same kind of feeling, you know, oh, that same yeah. kind of weird violation. It feels exactly the same to me as that time someone like put, and I just sort of like freaked out and they took, I, like I said, I don't, I think they thought I was someone else or something. Um, I don't think that was a deliberate like creep move. I don't know, but well, it's, um, it, I don't it's, know. It, it's interesting that you bring up like a Google Bordello concert. Cause I think about, I mean, I only saw them at a festival one time, but mm-hmm. it, they and, um, the World Inferno Friendship Society, who I really like, and I really like their shows a lot. Um, I know I've talked with, uh, with again, with Scott about World Inferno before, but um, they put on amazing shows, and it's great. Mm-hmm. And But both they and Gogo Bordello are, like, these bands who, um, when you listen to them, it's like, it's like raucous bar punk in a way, and it, it feels like, okay, we're all friends here. Like, we, we all sort of exist in this shared social space. And that can be euphoric and and really cool. Like I remember seeing. Um, let's just we'll just do the the rest of the podcast is just who we saw. Uh, we'll just, we'll just <laughs> I like I am very ignorant about music, but I am very enthusiastic about it at the same time. Yeah, no, same <laughs> about here. About bands I really like, yeah. 
I, I'm so I'm so out of the loop now, which which disappointed me. I, I read a I read a, a release by this um, booking company near me who I love called uh, R Five Productions. Um, just a, a wonderful group of people who have given me so many wonderful uh, memories, but because they were the only indie booking group in Philly for a long time, worth uh, worth their salt. Um, but the uh, I saw Rambo uh, do their last show in Philly, who are just like this sort of like hardcore band and um, really good band, and they you know they they made these uh, cardboard tanks and swords and stuff and threw them out into the audience, and we were all like you know running around with the tanks and swords and having fun, and it was great. I mean, it was like it was it felt very intimate and very close, um, but it's not right, like. And, and and that, like, recognition of, like, oh, this is, like, this is a moment and then it's over. Like, I don't know these people. We're not friends or more. We just kind of felt this way because that's the appeal of this space. That can also get crossed. Those wires get crossed very quickly in, like, punk and hardcore spaces, I feel. Um, I can and, see that. Yeah. like sure. and, and, like, all of a sudden, like, I remember uh, a buddy, and, like, at the time, you know, I was 14. So at the time I was like, Oh man, I can't believe it. Um, but a buddy of mine was like, we were at a, I forget what concert, maybe it was a bad religion concert or something. But, um, this girl who was, he was like watching out for, or like, uh, I don't think we were that close to the pit. So I don't know if he was, but like she was nearby and she just like turned around and, and gave him like a, a big, big, like full on kiss. And of course as a teen, it's like, Oh, so lucky. Like, <laughs> and as a, like as an adult, it's like I'm sure she didn't mean any harm by it, but that is weird. Like that is That's a awful. weird thing. I hate yeah, it. just like yeah, just a okay. I'm gonna kiss. The, I'm gonna French this stranger. Like yeah. that. That's the kind of thing, right? Where like all of a sudden that boundary's crossed, and because you're in a space where it feels like oh, it's okay to do that, that intimacy isn't perceived as part of the violation. And maybe that's, maybe that's the language I'm looking for where like the violation is never perceived in these parasocial relationships where like, if I, you know, if you, if you tweet at the McElroy brothers and be like, Hey, how's your dad or whatever. Right. Like that is not an okay thing to do. And it's just like, it's not perceived as bad. Yeah. Because, well, I think the McElroy, I think especially they like, they fostered that. I didn't end up using it. I think I just forgot I had it, but I have listened to a fair amount of uh, The Adventure Zone and the clip where Griffin is like, it's you, it's me, your baby brother, your best friend, your dungeon master. You know, Griffin, it's like, maybe don't say that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I, mean I, it literally, I but, like, they're really bad about that. Yeah, I mean, I say the McElroys, but I also under I also think the McElroys probably created, and I mean, none of them listen to this show. I don't, I'm not worried about this. I don't know any of them. But... I feel like there's a there's a a real creation of like okay, th- your podcast people are your families that mm-hmm. my brother, my brother and me very much encouraged. They're a huge surrogate family for people, and I like them. Like I, they seem parasocially, they seem like great people. They, I think they take their uh, platform and the responsibility with it very seriously. I think they're a net positive, but I think as well. Um, there's a lot of stuff I would never, ever say or do. Like, I can't imagine being like, this is your best friend, Shannon. Like, ugh, it just makes me feel sick. <laughs> no, but I think, too, no. I have, I am, I think what made me better suited for this kind of stuff is I'm very, very, like, neurotic and closed off. And I ha- I'm really big about boundaries. And I don't want, like, a stranger to touch me ever. 
I don't like. That's like Why? I was, yeah, I, I completely understand that. Like you, any kind of like our like I was talking about my aunt likes ASMR. I hate ASMR. I feel like someone is whispering in my ear and it freaks me out. I think just the way that I'm built is like I reject all of this kind of stuff, um, which make, I guess made me, uh, which can be a, a problem in interpersonal stuff. But for to not fall into the same trap or to try to be like, okay, what's going on here and be more objective about it. I think that was easier for me. Even though I like, like yeah. I said, I've listened to, I haven't caught up on it, but I like the Adventure Zone a lot. It's really, they're very funny and they seem very sweet. Um, and I, I get the kind of appeal to it. But I, I was just on uh, Champagne Sharks and, and T and I talked about like, with Chapo and Red Letter Media, they're ve- they make fun of their fans a lot. Not, like, necessarily super mean, but they kind of try to have that boundary and, and, like, try to get their fans to not mess with them or they make it into a joke. But then the fans are just sort of like, oh, I'm in on the joke, and they keep doing it anyway. Right. So yes, I don't really no, know exactly. if you can win. <laughs> you yeah, know? and it's... it's. I was actually thinking of T because... Um, I, and I, I really like Champagne Sharks, and I like T. Oh, so he's great. He's awesome. He's, yeah, yeah, he's a really, really good guy. We've, I haven't talked to him in a little while, but um, very, very good guy. Um I've had a lot of nice conversations with him, but um, you know, it's funny because there's like there's a there's an expectation of like a circle where you're like, okay, I'm like I'm loosely a Chapo related podcast in some ways, or like mm-hmm. I'm loosely this related in some ways. So I have to, you know, like I would I would always, you know, it's almost like a loose. It's worse than a podcast network because it's a social network, and mm-hmm. we're, I think we're lucky, uh, you and I. And I'm I'm presuming with you, but I'm I'm not sure if this is the same thing. But I know I'm lucky in that like the the kind of like loose chapo adjacent podcast world is just very nice to each other. And like yes. people will come on my podcast, but it's not a lot of expectation. Right? Like it is it is a very sort of loose collective that's interested in helping each other, but not pushy. And that's mm-hmm. great. Um but it is, it's another one of those, like, weird parasocial <laughs> problems. And I think, like, yeah, I mean, the 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 bits are one thing, but then also just, like, suddenly having to think of people as real people is the thing that always throws me off and, and gives me a sort of, like, sense of vertigo. I remember my my sweet grandmama uh, <laughs> is, is, well, I mean, she wouldn't like me calling her my sweet grandmama. She's very, she's very tough and Italian. And, um, she wanted to be called grandmama because of bewitched. But, um, uh, she, I was telling her about Patreon and I was like, Oh yeah, I'm doing okay on Patreon. Like, you know, it's, it's fine. It's like, it's not quite where I want it to be in terms of like making a living. I'm still working at it, but like, it's, it's good. Like it's sort of kind of what I'm doing now. And, and she was like, well, what, what can people do on Patreon? Like, what, like, is it, do people make money? And I, I mentioned Chapo and she goes, well, why aren't you making that kind of money? Like, <laughs> and it's such a grandmother thing to say, right? Like it's such a, why aren't you making over a hundred thousand dollars a month? Yeah. Like you're my sweet boy. You're per, you're, you're just as good as anyone. Like, why wouldn't you make that? Why wouldn't people pay you that? And it's like, that's very sweet, and I'm glad she said that. And like, of course, that's you know, that's that's who she is. And I would never tell her not to say something. But it's weird to sort of realize, like, oh yeah, to people outside of like a very specific context, those people are just other people. Like, it it doesn't have all the various like contextual elements necessary to say like, no, there. This is a difference in kind in a certain way. Like, that's not going to happen here. Um, it's it's a different thing. Um, 
and like being forced to to reckon that right like be like okay mm-hmm. these are brands in a certain way but they're my friends like and they're people and they're actual humans like it is it is a very off-putting and, and maybe like ultimately unhealthy thing to have to square over and over again certainly from a personal standpoint to be like i'm a brand and i'm a person i think mm-hmm. that's super unhealthy yeah and to have to curate yourself oh god yeah that's really weird yeah um I, I really value having uh, close friends in real life who all, like, play D&D with and stuff. We have similar interests, but they're not online at all. Or they're online in a different way. So they can just sort of yeah. be vaguely supportive and happy about what I'm doing. But I get... Um, I have definitely had people in my life who, because of who I'm friends with or who I'm adjacent to, they suddenly show a lot more interest in me as a person. Oh. And it makes me very angry. Yeah, it makes me value uh, value the people in my life who knew me when I was, like, a nobody. I'm still a nobody. But when I didn't have <laughs> any creative output or any social capital, and I very much try to hang on to that. And I'll go to... Uh, every so often I'll go to New York and, like, hang out with my, like, lefty Twitter friends. And it's awesome, but it's also nice to have, like, a group of friends who are not plugged into that at all. Um, yeah, for sure. And, I, and it's I healthy. Think, yeah, it's absolutely healthy. I think, like... You know, my my wife is not online, and that is very good. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think she's listened to one of my podcasts. She was at my live show and said it was really nice, and that was a very nice compliment. But like, just our like the the stuff I do, the stuff Chapo does or whatever, is not her cup of tea. And like, you know what? That's great. And uh, you know, I have a friend of mine, my, maybe my best friend, who is not online at all just like sent me a message sent me a text and said like hey i don't know if you have a tumblr anymore he's like no one really does but you should definitely follow (laughs) humans of late capitalism there it's pretty funny (laughs) and it's like it's like this is good like this is this this is what i need i need people who are not so enmeshed in this all the time where like i can say like dog rates and they know exactly the like seven years of drama that i'm talking about (laughs) like you know, it's, it's, it's just, cool too to have that shared language and that oh, shared sure. like, online culture, but it's also good to step out of it and not have it be your entire life. Yeah, when that was a when that was an escape, it was like, oh, cool! Like this is an escape where like I have a different world and I can sort of like it's a little bit like a little more wild west and I can kind of cut loose a little more or whatever. But when it's like, okay, now that that's the only world you live in and you can never leave it, it's like, well, now it's bad. Like now I yeah. don't want it. Um, yeah, and I, I think like. You know, people talk all the time and it's become such a cliche to unplug, but I've been trying most nights to just spend some time um, gaming still, but not gaming for something that I'm working on, not gaming for something for the podcast, and just gaming not by my computer or my phone. And it has made such a difference for me to, like, not be part of that world for, I don't know, 20 minutes at a time, 30 Mm -hmm. minutes at a time. (laughs) Um, Even just that. Yeah, just, like, to be, like, oh, yeah, like, I have a, and, I mean, here's here's the thing, like, you know, you can, anyone listening can totally make fun of me for uh, being too self-important about this, like, I, I totally get it, but, like, it's nice to realize that you're a person outside of the work sometimes, um, and that is, that becomes harder and harder, um, in my experience as a content creator, like, Sometimes if I'm not creating content or I'm not doing enough or, like, I'm letting my audience down in my own perceived way, it feels like, okay, I'm not a really valid person at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me understand totally how, how people get, A, so into video games that they can become, like, 
Gamergate folks and like and like think that this is my life and how dare you mess with my life and I'm going to ruin your life now. Um, but also it makes me understand like how people um, feel their lives are like absolutely ruined or destroyed when they are attacked online. Like it is it is such a it's such a weird. Well, I mean, you said it better than me. It's just it's just very, very weird. Th- that's a difficult one for me, too. Because I've been dealing with, like, online harassment since I was 11. <laughs> I got bullied online when I was, like, a little wow. kid, when I was, like, in elementary or middle school. Can bullied we, I, online worse than in person. I, yeah, being bullied online in the early internet was, was rough. I had, a, I had yeah. someone put up an HTML page making fun of me. Um, wow. Yeah, and I, I, my dad told them to take it down. <laughs> like, it's just, I, like, as, old, as, like, you know... Two cans tied together with a string internet as you could possibly want. The early days of cyberbullying. Yeah, no, it, it was. I mean, that's like so personal though. Like, it takes a long time to code a page in HTML. <laughs> People like followed me from an image board that I drew on. Like, it wasn't like fortune. It was like a drawing board. They followed me from there to Neopets to make fun of me on Neopets, and they were very, oh, very mean when I was like is, ten or eleven. Uh, that was Neopets pretty... is a sacred space. It, you would think so. Uh, they came into my guild and made my... I think it was like a, a Spyro the Dragon guild and they made fun of me very viciously. Uh, but I think... Because like that and, and having posted on forums where we would really like riff on each other, sometimes too far and be mean. And also like the severity of the abuse that I get now. The sort of like death threat level stuff or like someone basically saying they're going to come rape me or stuff like that. Um, when people completely cannot handle any kind of criticism... Or will quote tweet anyone who, like, lightly makes fun of them. Or even it's just, like, I don't agree with you. And they just have a meltdown over that. I don't want to be... I, like, I, I really want to walk that line of, like, I don't want to victim blame. But it's, like, if you react to that, how would you handle everything that I put up with every day? Like, at a, at a certain point, it is a yeah. trade-off. And it's also, like, you... I really wish that people were able, better able... Or not everyone, but I wish that certain people who sit there all day and quote tweet everyone who disagrees with them. It's, like, you need to be able to handle criticism. You're never going to improve as a person, and you need to have a thicker skin if you're going to be on the internet. Obviously, not like harassment and slurs and threats, but no, and I mean, it's like, very annoying. But it's like, oh man, grow up, log off. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I there's a uh, uh, Sally Albright got quotes tweeted me the other week because I I like she added my my professional account, which I mean is long dead because I you know I had it because I was like, oh, I don't know if any schools are going to want to hire me. If I have mm-hmm. this, this, and then I realized, well, this funny account that has a bunch of followers is probably a plus for the schools. Um, and At also, yeah. And also no schools hire anyone now. So it's fine. <laughs> um, but I had this professional account that's just out there and she was like, oh, uh, you know, do you think, do you think this is funny? Do you think this is cool? And she like, she had a whole thread and then she deleted the whole thread and then added me at my actual account. Um, but it's just, it was, it. I, I like named her and a bunch of people, uh, like a huge list of people that I was like, these people are, um, they're grifting you because they are so obsessed with your fear of, uh, of the current political moment that they know that you will, um, you will like retweet them and, and like follow their weird theories and stuff like that. Whether they're on the right or the left, they're grifting you. And she just lost it. And it's like, yeah, okay, maybe I maybe grift is a mean word, but you weren't the only person in that list. It's a relatively mild criticism, and mm-hmm. 
if you, I, I don't know, I stand by it. Like, I don't really, like, I don't really think it's that bad. You made yourself this much of a public persona. That's the kind of abuse and critique that you can come to expect. Like, if someone called me a grifter for doing uh, academic takes on video games, and people have sort of certainly implied as much, it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, that doesn't make me happy, but I get it. But at the point when you quote tweet that, right, like, mm-hmm. and you have a big enough audience, that invites, like, its own version of it, right? Like, it invites, like, a, you're basically saying, like, audience, go go attack. And it's just, like, it's, that's, that is, like, that's just validating all the really, really unhealthy and toxic elements of parasocial behavior where it's, like, these aren't your kids. These aren't your, like your minions or your friends these are <laughs> your, your army. audience like your what, are you, what are you doing yeah i really i really look down on people who do that yeah you're just weaponizing your fan base you're encouraging yeah. that kind of behavior you're you know however many thousands of people you're encouraging harassment and you're doing it under the guise of like fans protect me protect my ego i think it's really pathetic and i really hate it um i yeah. my friend uh, jordan Searles did a review uh, she's like a black film critic and she criticized the character Dallas and Sorry to Bother You. And Boots Riley wrote this, like, three-page thing about her and other film critics. And I tweeted on my own account, not tagging anyone. I was like, it's really weird that Boots Riley is coming after women on Twitter for not liking his movie. And he, like, found me and wouldn't what? leave me alone. This man, like, I, I love the movie. I re- you know, that, that's what drove me crazy, too. I, I did a very positive review of his movie that he ignored. But then I said, it's weird Boots Riley is coming after women. And then he came after me. And I didn't want to condescend to him because I respect him so much, but I was like, this is inappropriate. You know, you have a much bigger uh. platform. You have a successful movie. I'm just a critic. And then the same thing happened with Anna Biller. Uh, I was talking about, she had like a really bad take about feminist film theory, about like Carol, Carol Clover's kind of stuff. And I was kind of making fun of it, like telling people to leave her alone. But I was like, I said something that my friend Jay was like, yeah, Anna Biller kind of sucks. And she screenshotted that and three months later posted it. Him, uh, them saying Anna Biller kind of sucks. She's like a successful film director. And yeah, it's like, what do you want with me? Like, leave me alone. We didn't, like, we didn't call her, like, the C word or something. That's not, yeah, like, that's not on. really bad. It, he, even, he even hedged it. Like, yeah. Sorry, they say... did. I got, yeah, Jay's uh, pronouns, but. Oh, they did. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, you're good. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was just like, it was also, it was in response to me. For me saying, because Anna Biller was saying wow. something about Texas Chainsaw or about, like, the final girl. And she was, like, wrong. And I was saying, I, I don't, you know, I don't haven't seen her movie. She might be a great person, but this is what I think about that. You know, I really don't like Carol Clover's Final Girl Theory, and I think Anna Biller shouldn't be so dismissive of Texas Chainsaw. And Jay literally was like, "Yeah, Anna Biller kind of sucks." Three months later, she put. I was just like, "You need to go. Like, how dare you be so uh, obsessive yeah. about any kind of criticism?" Me and Jay are both very low-level film critics. You're discouraging anyone from talking freely about you or your movies because there have been times where I've like name searched Strucci. Uh, when I shouldn't. It's like a dumb, neurotic thing to do, but I'll do it. But if someone's like, yeah, I don't really like Strucci's videos, I'm not going to be like, how dare you? Screenshot it. (laughs) Yeah, screenshot it and do, you know, that's, to me, that's awful. You're just trying, you're just trying to intimidate people out of honestly expressing how they feel about you and your work. And your punishment for name searching yourself should be that you can never reply. And I feel very strongly about that. It's very, it's very Greek mythology. You're, you're, (laughs) (laughs) you're dooming yourself to seeing a bunch of like very angry randos who like, for me, I think a lot of people hate my more famous, like left tube kind of friends and they have this weird fixation on everyone around them. And they'll say, and of course there's also perfectly valid criticisms of me and, and, and my work as well. 
that I don't that people should be free to say because I would I want to know what people think. That's the reason I'm looking it up. I don't want to just it's like oh just filter me the people who are saying very nice things because my ego can't handle. Uh, yeah, that, that all that stuff was I didn't expect any of that because like I didn't tag in, neither of those cases did we tag the person or right. say anything particularly inflammatory or offensive. And they well, are both I mean, successful film directors. Yeah, like multiple like. That's the thing, right? Like it's 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 so like, and I mean, you you sort of come, and I'm I'm assuming here, but I think I think I'm right. You you come from an academic background, is that? Sort I do. Of, I have a yes. I I have like a film degree. Yeah. Like a basically like a video production degree with a with a film studies minor, and I worked I've worked in educational and nonprofit video professionally before yeah. I did YouTube. Yeah, I mean, so like, I mean, that's that's much the background that I'm coming out of. Like, I I mm-hmm. you know I went to the PhD in English, but like. Effectively, it's all the same. I mean, if you're doing a, if you're like bringing that kind of critical work into the professional world in any way, you're using the same academic rigor, and like, um, it it, it it's an odd thing to see people um, take academic arguments and like not give them the kind of objective distance that's needed, where like mm-hmm. you can say like I think this person is wrong and not be viewed as like you know like I and I hate them. Um, and then it's even weirder to see and, and more troubling and like, not to, not to be one of those, like the internet is going to kill us all people, but like, it's distressing to see then academics do that and academics be like, Oh, you don't like my piece on such and such. Well, I guess you are like, I guess you just don't like me. And it's like, no, like this academia or like academic discussion is like, you know, overrated and and elitist and there's a lot of things wrong with it but the one thing that's really good about it is like you're talking about ideas you're not talking about each other like don't stop taking this personally like you're 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 ruining the whole discourse i I just like stifling it yeah exactly you should be able to say x critic kind of sucks like how many times have i said something like oh man althusser you know like there's some there's some stuff in there but man that guy guy also is hard to read and sort of sucks like I can't imagine Louis Althusser, if he were alive, being like, oh, look at this rando. (laughs) Did you write Reading Capital? (laughs) What's going on? Yeah, it's, um, there's, there was something I was going to say and I forgot what it was. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's, it's like maddening. Oh, I remember, um, yeah, uh, Ollie Philosophy Tube did kind of a response video, uh, partially a response to my parasocial video. It was mm-hmm. like it's sort of referencing my video and Lindsay Ellis's manufactured authenticity video. And he was arguing with the points we made in it, but it was done very like respectfully and done in like a meta way. Like he plays himself and two detectives who are interrogating him about his parasocial relationships <laughs> and they're Detective Ellis and Detective Strucci. Oh, it's that's, like based that's on the clever. Man. I thought it was I, I disagreed with a lot of what he said in it, but I thought it was awesome. I thought it was so flattering. I immediately was like I DM'd him. We had followed each other, but we had never interacted, I don't think. I was like, can I come on your live stream d- dressed as Detective Strucci and, like, discuss parasocial <laughs> stuff with you? And he was super on board, and it was like, you can disagree with someone fundamentally about something like, especially if it's not, like, hardcore political stuff. I think Ollie and I are, are very on board, you know, politically with each other. But you can disagree and have, like, a fun discussion. And I was joking on yeah. Twitter, like, I'm going to own him with, like, facts and logic. Like, no, he's, he's like a really sweet guy. And it was a wonderful, fun, engaging discussion. And it didn't have to be like, oh, look at this idiot who doesn't like worship me for my video essays. Like, I I never would have had that if I was that defensive. Yeah, it's really one of those things that I think the left has unfortunately taken 
I don't know. Like the left is a very big word there, and I don't. I don't mean that everyone in the left is dumb, but it's something that the left has unfortunately taken uncritically from the right. Like this idea that everyone should be like, you know, in your arguments, be as brutally efficient and like mm-hmm. want to take scalps like Ben Shapiro or something like that, right? Like that whole like how to own a liberal with facts and logic. We all make fun of it, but then it's like every argument we do is trying to humiliate someone. It's always trying to like. Yeah, I hope you never log on again. Like, I hope you know better than to ever show your face. It's like, that's not probably a good way to do leftism. <laughs> no, it's good if it's, like, a Nazi. It's yeah, good of course. So, but when it becomes, yeah, these, like, very, very strange, small differences. And then when it when it leaves the realm of politics, it's like, it doesn't matter what Ollie thinks. I mean, it does matter, I guess. He has a platform, but, like... What Ollie thinks about parasocial relationships and his relationships with his fan base. It's not like he's a sex pest who's gotten in trouble, you know, with his... It's nothing like that at all. We just have, like, different opinions about it. And if you can't kind of... And I think that's what I try really hard to do in my work. And some people respond to it and some people don't. Is at least acknowledging other arguments and trying to dissect dissect them and, and state what I believe in a way that is not condescending... I'm not trying to own anybody, especially yeah. when it's about nuances in in certain stuff. Rather than, you know, I, I obviously I draw a hard line at like far right, you know, bigotry and and, and yeah, there are certain like that. things that are not debatable. But I the minutia of film theory, I am not going to try to own some. I don't know. I yeah, the people who take they pretend that then every single argument they will ever have online is a life and death argument, or it's the the famous examples. Of, you know, um, someone getting death threats because the fan art that they drew isn't woke enough or whatever, like teenagers getting death threats or something similar to that happened to a friend of mine like 10 years ago. Without going into it, they sort of had like a a, a a very, very small infraction to me, like a small slip up in a community and they got like death threats for months and like all sorts of or like really, really, really awful messages telling them to mutilate themselves and stuff like that from people who are like, I'm being woke uh, this is good. It's, it's, it's like weaponizing that to attack people and to get off on it. It's like you're just being a bully. Yeah, yeah. Especially I she agree. had her own problems and like uh, n- not giving someone the benefit of the doubt or anything like that. And then you say that, and there are some people who just assume that you mean you know you have to be friends with everybody, including the worst people. It's like no, I don't mean that either. <laughs> it's like you <laughs> it's just have tough. to yeah. approach people like human beings and try to actually have a discussion with people and, and have some kind of good faith in your arguments, unless it's like a Pepe in your mentions, (laughs) then you could just like ignore them and don't, and people like people will try to Pepe's and like Nazis and whatever. Sometimes we'll get in my mentions and people will argue with them and keep me tagged. I'm like, can you untag, can you just do not argue with this Pepe and keep me tagged? I don't want to read this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like untag me. Why are you, are just feeding them what they want. Like you're not, this is not a person who you're going to change their mind. You're just getting off on this argument. Well, yeah, and then these are, you know, I think a lot of those people are people who have never actually spent time on, like, forums like 4chan or places mm-hmm. in the internet. That they don't understand darker. what's actually happening. Yeah, where it's like, no, these people aren't going to go away. Like, this is exactly <laughs> why they came here. <laughs> yeah, you're just actually, really, you're encouraging them to further stay in my mentions. And yeah, try now to, they like, know that I'm a soft target because my mm-hmm. followers are soft targets. Yeah, and I literally told someone, I was like, hey, can you, recently, I was like, can you untag me? And they were like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I just don't, um, you know, I, you're not, you do what you want, but I am not going to spend my life 
whether it's arguing with people like that or quote tweeting someone who mildly disagrees with me, it's like, I just don't, I feel like I kind of outgrew that. I used to argue with people on Facebook. I I will in my YouTube comments, I've had some really, really great discussions where someone came at me very emotionally and angry at what I had said, but I could tell they weren't like trying to hurt me. They were just kind of upset or they didn't understand what I was saying. And I very calmly, I I just like have a civil discussion and people will like apologize because they're so keyed up and they're ready to fight. And I'm just like, hey, actually, this is what I meant. I understand why you thought that, but this is actually, you know, I'm not going to budge on this, but blah, blah, blah. And they'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, which is very rewarding. Yeah, it's it's always good when when like it starts off very keyed up and then it's like, uh, no, it's like, it's okay. Like I, we disagree, but it's, we disagree on this level. I I don't think you're a bad person. Got to like reassure Mm -hmm. They're just like, yeah, okay, thank you. They're I'm, like, oh, oh, great. Oh, all right, okay, uh, yeah. Because people don't expect that. No, people aren't used to it, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kept you so long already, and I wanted to ask you this, so I, I have to ask you, uh, and then and then I will let you go into... Yeah, sorry, into I've been the, rambling oh, God, about no, Twitter. It's, been, it's been all really good. Okay, um, good. And I, I, you know, it's, it's, I know people will probably say this isn't an episode really about video games, but it's... That's okay. Like, I, I like getting off topic a little bit sometimes, and mm-hmm. honestly, like, the parasocial stuff seeps into video gaming so, so clearly and with such an obvious angle. I mean, Ian Chong just uh, swatted <laughs> some dude because he was in an ownership dispute over some thing they made. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like that that kind of thing where you swat streamers or like where, uh, I don't know. like scary. You, yeah, it's terrifying. I don't know if you saw the video of the kid on, um, on Fortnite talking to the one uh, streamer and just like, he was like 10. And the whole thing was him being extremely horny towards her and then asking if she was dating this um, other streamer because he was black and could run faster than him. Like, it was awful. And it's like, that's, but that's all it is. Like, that's the, that's, no one would feel comfortable having that conversation if they didn't think that they were already friends. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyway, I'm telling you stuff you already know um, because it's your work. Uh, Tell me a little bit, like, do you feel like, do you feel like YouTube is a harder place to police those um, kinds of relationships because it is a face-to-face or, like, a visual audio medium? Or do you feel like the um, the kind of division between creator and audience that's a little more stratified or a little more rigid than somewhere like Twitter makes it easier to police uh, parasocial relationships? I think it really depends on what kind of content you're making. Um, there's a channel that I really, really like called You Suck at Cooking. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's I'm very not. cute. It's this guy. I don't know if he's American or Canadian, but it's you only ever see his hands, and it's him making different foods, and um, like he'll do in, neat in-camera effects where he'll like throw a lime against the wall, and it'll explode into a bunch of peas, or, like weird things <laughs> cool. where stuff will be instantly chopped up. It's just very cute and very clever. And you never know anything about his personal life. You never see his face. And I'm sure people are kind of invasive. But if you compare that to, like, a vlogger or an ASMR person who's like, this is your boyfriend ASMR roleplay we're going to do. Yeah. I'm assu- I don't know, but I'm assuming his fan base, the way they interact with him or try to interact with him is super different. And he has kind of carefully never put any personal information in his videos, even though he has a very dedicated fan base because his videos are very creative and they're really cute. And um, I know I really enjoy watching them. It sort of that reminds me a lot of like the the videos my daughter likes where like they'll unbox toys, mm-hmm. um, which I mean like 
on one level sounds very sinister, and on the other level, it's like, well, if I could watch people unbox toys when I was a kid, I would have eaten that up. Um, yeah, those are hugely but, popular. Yeah, and like a lot of them are just hands only, and you'll just see mm-hmm. their hands opening the things. And some of them will show their faces eventually, and it'll be like a big like unmasking or a reveal or whatever. And some don't, and I really, really understand why some don't. Like, it's not like the kids are gonna come after you or whatever, but like, that is such an intense relationship that you have to then like, I think like cutting it off completely, being like, you're not gonna see my face, you're, you're just gonna see my hands, and like, you're my voice. That's a way of 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 putting up a barrier that really, well, I mean, the, it's it's not new news that the face is the easiest way to kind of like feel like you know someone or communicate with them um yeah no I, that, that totally makes sense that's really interesting i guess i never really it, this kind of comes with me being a youtube um neophyte but like i've never really thought about the ways in which content on youtube just in terms of the different genres like uh mediates or um polices that uh that barrier between audience and, and, and YouTuber, um, in, in varying ways, but it's kind of obvious now that you say it. It, it, it varies a lot too. Like something like you suck at cooking, even if he showed his face versus a podcast that versus like the McElroy's like we were talking about, even if, if, even if you never saw what they look like, like, um, right. You would still feel like, you know, them, you'd still feel like a part of their family, but you could see someone who does like, woodworking videos or something could be very popular. I'm sure a woodworking YouTube guy would still have weird invasive fans, but they wouldn't feel that kind of, like, overzealous attachment. It wouldn't be as fostered. I don't know. I'm not, like, an expert on these types of YouTube, because everyone I know who does YouTube is, like, a left-tube video essayist or a film critic. (laughs) Right. And we all have even... I I very deliberately did not do I'm speaking into the camera, I'm making eye contact with you type videos. Um from the very beginning, even when I was less self-conscious about this stuff. I was doing more Tony Joe style, every frame of painting, kind of, I'm going to guide you through these film clips. Yeah. And don't worry about who I am. I'm just he- here to help, or whatever. Versus, like, okay, Shannon here again. We're going to go through our little rituals and set everything, you know. Um, I always, I but think I, you know, I always think too. of you as the Logan Paul of Left Book. Uh. <laughs> oh, well, maybe. Um, <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, it's, it's, it, I, I don't, because of course, like, <laughs> I, I also said left book instead of left. Oh, is that uh, left too? Yeah. I, but, um, well, I mean, both exist, so at least I'm not, like, totally old-manning myself here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even know if I'm if I'm left too, but I don't know if I'm political. There's, like, all these weird divisions that people will argue about or, like... Um, that, that's another weird parasocial thing is when you see people on the Internet arguing about what kind of person you are. Yeah. Or what your politics are or what you look like. I've seen that before, even at my level of, like, notoriety, which is very low. And it's very surreal because it's like competing ideas of who who you are that are all fake. It's really weird. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh man. Um, well, I feel like I should I should let you go, but I I mean, there's eight million different things I could ask you at this point. It's all such fascinating stuff. Um, everyone should go to to Shannon's YouTube page. Um, it's uh, it's Struchy Films, right? I'm getting that right. Struchy movies. Struchy movies. I knew it was movies so or films. I just I just Google Struchy and it auto completes it for me. Yeah, that's, that's how it's going to be me. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe some other like weird. There was like a people who shipped like Stanley Tucci and Meryl Streep. It was called Struchy. <laughs> that that is like, used to come up. Very. I weird. know this isn't a good thing to say at the end of a parasocial relationships episode, but. 
That's an adorable ship. <laughs> that's, that's an adorable ship. Um, <laughs> uh, can I ask you, what uh, what movies have you enjoyed recently? Oh, um, I saw... Very quickly. You, could just, you can even give me just a list or whatever. It's no, not, no pressure. I'm going to bring up my letterbox on my phone in case I forget anything. I did see Twisted Pear in theaters, the new Neil Breen film. How was that? And that was an absolute nightmare. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with Neil Breen. I'm not. He's sort of like a Tommy Wiseau-esque figure. He's this like architect or like real estate guy out of, out of Las Vegas. This is his fifth film. They're always about how he's either like a super genius hacker or he's like an AI space Jesus. And he's here to save humanity. They're these very, very strange cool. egomaniac projects uh, that so are So Nightmare... Nightmare is good, then, is what you're saying. Well, I want to do an essay on his work just talking about, like, film as, like, masochism <laughs> or, like, yeah. putting yourself through something awful. Um, I really like The Favorite. Okay. That movie was awesome. I really like Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I fairly... Well, this is, like, back to November, but, like, uh, I didn't review it, but I really liked The Guest. I like okay. The Autopsy of Jane Doe. I did not like uh, Velvet Buzzsaw. Okay. I did not think that was very good. Those are, like, recent ones. Nice. Okay, I need great. To update my letterbox. I just I love I love getting film recommendations. Cause I'm so bad at film, but I, I I I taught one film class once as like I got lucky and uh, I TA'd one, and then they had one open in the summer, so I got to teach it. And doing that was like a real fun, um, like a, a real fun sort of like a vision into what it would be like if there was a world where I could be a film professor. And I was like, oh man. That's such a fun world. <laughs> it, I loved my film studies classes. I love. I have mixed feelings about telecom stuff, but I loved learning about film theory and film history. I just like I adored every minute of that. Yeah, I I, I I just liked I liked doing. There's nothing more. There's nothing more rewarding. Well, that's not true. There's nothing more. There's a lot that's equally rewarding. I love teaching literature, but um, there's nothing quite as compelling as like giving students a reading of something that you know they've read and you know they've seen right because like mm -hmm. you either screened it or they they you know they watch it um and like seeing how they deal with it and come up with new readings of it because they are so much more willing to do it in literature in a film than literature like i would i showed the warriors and i was like i think this movie is like an important movie in terms of like showing uh fantasies of 70s decay and here's what i mean about that here's sort of like the analog here's like the dialogues about that like what 70s decay is and like why it's not quite fair and why it's racialized and all this and like i was like i hope they follow me on this and they did and they just like even came up with better ideas and it's like this is so cool <laughs> i love awesome. this i love That's this so rewarding yeah exactly um, but no, I, uh, I love, I love hearing about film cause it makes me remember that I can go watch movies. Um, I just have to find the time to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, um, well, uh, there's so many things that you're doing and everyone should check them all out. Uh, stretchy movies, um, critical bits, uh, you're still online, uh, at, at, uh, plenty of alcoves. Mm -hmm. um, too much. I post on there too often. Well, yeah, it's, as do we, we all, we, all. we are all trapped <laughs> in that horrible machine and now mm -hmm. we, we we said we were trapped in the horrible machine in 2013, and then we made ourselves into <laughs> uh, self-sustaining brands in order to never leave. Yeah. Um, now we're trapped here. Now we're trapped. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I I, I will absolutely uh, would love to have you on again, and I will be um, 
definitely uh, enjoying and keeping an eye on what you're producing. Oh, uh, I didn't even mention. Yeah. Uh, what's your Patreon? I saw that you yeah. you have like a pretty solid Patreon going. Thank you. Yeah, it's just uh, patreon.com slash movies. Yeah, and it's it, it is on the wonderful and I think uh, underutilized model of uh, you pay per movie, um, which I think is very cool and uh, and makes a lot of sense from a creator and uh, create and uh, patron perspective. So mm-hmm. much much credit for that. Um, all right, well, thank you so much, Shannon. This is really great. I uh, I feel like we probably both think we rambled too much, and that probably <laughs> I is because did. <laughs> no, you didn't. You totally didn't. Um, I think that's because of uh, parasocial pressures, and I'm not going to elaborate on that at all and just say that uh, (laughs) as a buzzword. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Thanks again, and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Awesome.